Do not pull down on the safety bar, please. I will lower it for you. What is this? Big sire, is this? This Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this brand. <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear Bing is a sus individual. And now, a carriage approaches to take you into the boundless realm of the supernatural. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Chris, we are back and we are ready to cover a ride that we've we've given quite a bit of props to lately from our Disneyland character bracket to our Disney Legends bracket. We've covered this topic a lot and it's, you know, it's spooky season. So we, of course, have to talk about the number of great Haunted Mansion characters that made it into the into that last bracket. And I'm excited for this one here. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about my favorite attraction here with the best Haunted Mansion ghost bracket. And though we've talked about the Haunted Mansion tons of times on this podcast, uh, we brought in a first-time co-host slash tiebreaker. Now, uh, we, have, we have several Kyles on our roster. <laughs> we have a couple of Matts. Uh, I believe we have a couple of Michaels. We got a couple of Elizabeths. Uh, And now we've got a couple of Tesses. We've got Tess O joining us. Tess, what's up? How are you today? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, it's spooky season. No better way to celebrate than talking some spooks. Uh, So Tess, you uh, approached me at work. We were talking a little bit about uh, Walt Disney World, a little bit about Disneyland uh, during the spring, uh, and eventually you were like, I want in. Get me in on this conversation. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about like your Disney fandom uh, and maybe some of your Disney Parks fandom as well. Yeah. I mean, I grew up going to Disneyland. I have still not ever been to Disney World, so that's got to be on the list, but Disneyland's the old home sweet home. and. I've now transitioned into a Disney adult since growing up and (laughs) love everything about it and try to go a time or two a year if we can. And, you know, I have my favorites by way of rides, but Haunted Mansion's definitely up there. Yeah. So, so if you could rank it, like, give me like maybe like top three, you know, without even thinking about it, Disneyland attraction. So formerly known as Splash Mountain was always number one. (laughs) I can't wait to see Tiana's place. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Probably if we're talking just Disneyland, I got to go Space Mountain second. And then Haunted Mansion's probably three. Big Thunder's up there though. I don't know. It's in the mix. Big Thunder is a sleeping giant. Uh, I always forget about it when we're ranking up attractions, but every time I'm on, I'm like, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, uh, can't wait to get into it. Uh, but before we go any further, we got to talk, uh, spoonfuls of sugar. Kyle, what's in your cup? What are you drinking today? Uh, yeah, we are back on the cocktail game. Uh, unfortunately though, I did not have as many mixers as I anticipated I had. 
uh, mostly because we've been gone a lot here at the house. And so we haven't had a ton of things to keep in our fridge and we haven't gone grocery shopping. So I had to make what was called a, um, I think it's called a, a sailor's sunrise. And what that is, is it's just OJ and rum. <laughs> and nice. you're supposed to put a little, a little splash of grenadine in there, similar to something like a, um, a tequila sunrise, but with rum. And uh, check it. I'm in, the, I'm in the cabinet grabbing the rum. All right, I got OJ, so we sat there too. Let me check that grenadine. Oh, that grenadine is about a year expired, <laughs> and I'm not going to test my luck here on the podcast. So I, I pivoted a little bit. I combined uh, some OJ with some rum that was aged in a sherry cask. Wow. That I won at my tie day <laughs> a few months ago. We won a raffle and got this rum, and I was like, I've never had this before. Uh, it, it's an interesting taste. I wish that I had also included some lime juice, but I, you know, you know what I had to do. If we talk in Haunted Mansion, baby, you know what glass it had to go into. It had to go into the Hatbox Ghost. Wow. A classic. It had to. It had to. So it's not that tasty of a cocktail, but I'm here for the vibes. Chris, what are you drinking? That sounds more like a sailor's mimosa if you remove yeah. the grenadine there. Yeah. We'll go ahead and totally. call it one of those. Uh, I got a beer. I, I, I was, I, I surprise beer. I was at the gas station today. Uh, I always get that sweet tooth around Halloween time. <laughs> so, so I went into the gas station to buy a diet Coke and Reese's and, uh, I was just looking around at the beer selection, never expecting to find anything at a gas station, but, uh, I found a sour ale. Whoa. Yeah. Actually, it's called a smoothie sour. I don't know okay. what the difference between a smoothie sour and a sour ale is, but it uh, is well, a strawberry. <laughs> it's a strawberry cheesecake sour. Whoa! From oh, oh. Grains of Virtue, which is based in Oakdale, California, which is basically Modesto, um, yeah. and it's got this cool art of a crescent moon uh, attacking an astronaut with a tentacle of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh. I poured it into my tulip, my brand new tulip glass, and uh, it's it's great. It's not oh. my favorite. It's a little bit uh, bitter. It's got like bitter at the end. You know, I like that dry. I like that sucking on aluminum uh, sour. But this one, this is. I will say that the cheese. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to taste cheesecake in this, but you can taste it. Like, there's a little hint of some like cream in there or something. And so it's not bad. It's, it's like, not bad. It's, it's 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 it tastes a lot like you know. Let me get let me try to get a little comparison here. Okay, get in there. Get in there. Okay. Have you ever had those um cream savers? They're like hard candy. That's like stri- yep. tastes kind of like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I got four of them. Uh, Kyle, I might bring <laughs> some over to your apartment this weekend and uh, right, we can do a do. little taste test. Uh, please do. I feel like this is a good sour for like people who maybe think some things are too sour. Like there's a, yeah. it's, a it's very kind of a negotiable sour. Anyways, uh, highly recommend Tess. Uh, you got anything in your cup today? Sure do. I went online in preparation for this, looking for a spooky cocktail and ended up going the mocktail route tonight. But the drink that I decided to make was called the Raven, which I thought was fitting given that Ravens, maybe they're crows, who knows, but some bird is looking at you when you're on your way into the graveyard in Haunted Mansion. So 
one of the components of it is using blackberries to make your own blackberry simple syrup. Mm. Um, did not commit that heavily to the simple <laughs> syrup, but I do have <laughs> muddled blackberries and the drink came out a little more red than it did black. Oh. So I'm calling it the red eyed raven tonight. So it's got uh, fresca, which is an underrated soda. So I got fresca, <laughs> which is a great grapefruit soda water, muddled blackberries, lime juice, and a big old ice cube in a fancy glass. Nailed it. Looks Sounds awesome. Perfect. Um, all right. We've got spoonfuls of sugar in hand. Next thing we need, hey, we needed a demographic to survey to get mm-hmm. our 16 haunted mansion ghosts on this bracket because there are 999 happy haunts. <laughs> and we only had room for, we only had room for 16 on this best haunted mansion <laughs> ghost bracket. So we needed a way to narrow it down. Uh, and we had to choose a demographic of people to survey. We sent the interns into the park, into yeah. Disneyland during this uh, suddenly busy time of year uh, for the Disney parks. And we went ahead and had the interns ask Haunted Mansion Holiday on Ride Instagrammers, uh, yeah, what is your favorite Haunted Mansion ghost? There's plenty to choose from. I mean, totally. it's that time of year. You got to show off the new overlay. Uh, <laughs> you know, love going around that little uh, Madame Leota kind of circular room and just seeing all the phones up. Yeah. Looking at each every, and every doom buggy. Every every holiday season. And for this bracket specifically, none of the the haunts of Jack Skellington's crew are involved in this. This is the just the OG attraction ghosts. Not, no one that has showing up for a few months at the end of the year here. But these people who stand in line for this overlay are big mansion fans. So luckily, we were able to get 16 great ghosts. But of course, as you said, there are a ton left that did not make the dance. Chris, what are a couple that missed the dance for you? One for me is a very small, kind of unimportant ghost, at least unimportant to like the narrative of the attraction. But it's one that always sticks out. Uh, every time I'm riding through the ballroom, I, I'm looking straight at this ghost, and that's the ghost that's passed out underneath the table. Uh, <laughs> and we don't know what their face looks like. We just see two pairs of legs. But I've always thought that that is such a funny gag and really kind of uh, encapsulates the energy of the mansion. It's this haunted, ghostly ballroom, but there's also someone who just partied a little bit too hard. Uh, it's, yeah. it's spooky and funny all at the same time. And then uh, I've also got the tea party ghosts. Uh, Good one. We kind of had to group ghosts together. They're, each ghost kind of have their individual uh, identities and individual backstories. But for the sake of kind of condensing things, uh, we put a lot of them together. And so one grouping of ghosts, the tea party ghosts, uh, they're hanging out off the, off the back of that carriage uh, in the graveyard scene drinking some tea, special shout out to the mummy ghost, uh, as well as like the, it's like a hand that's just coming out of a tombstone. It it looks more like a martini glass than like a cup of tea. But uh, (laughs) that's one of my favorite ones as well. Uh, Once again, just kind of like spooky, but also fun at the same time. Kyle, what are a couple Miss the Dance ghosts for you? Again, like you said, we had to group some of them together. And for me, the two that Miss the Dance are the duelists. Uh, in the ballroom, they are above the party table, and they're the two portraits of two men kind of standing back to back. And as you pass through the room, they 
their ghosts come out of the portraits, turn around and they fire at each other. And I just think that is such a great ghost effect because it's not really often in the mansion that you you see their representations come at you as a ghost. Like usually it's just like the ghosts are appearing, especially in that room. They're just appearing, doing something. But you see the physical manifestation of these ghosts uh, when they were alive. And then here they come out of that as ghosts. And I just think that is so cool. So I really wish I could have seen the duelists on this bracket. But I get it. There's a lot to choose from. Tess, uh, any ghosts that come to mind to you that did not make this bracket of 16? Well, when I first saw the bracket, my all-time favorite ghost was not on it. And I was thinking, all right, these Instagrammers, they they don't know what's (laughs) up. But my all-time favorite ghost is the bricklayer. And that ghost is, you know, toward the end of the cemetery, sealing themselves up in in the crypt using their arm, you know, it's one arm sticking out of a brick wall. They're trying to seal it up. And part of me loves it because it's spooky and it's a little eerie, the things that it is, them yeah. steal, seal themselves up. But the other part is like, maybe they were just tired of the song and they had to lock themselves <laughs> in. <laughs> so that, All right, I'm going to head out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm done. So that was a big one for me. And then the seesaw ghosts, I always think are just like, they're having the time of their lives in there. And I just love seeing them. So I was sad that they didn't make the cut. But I think we have some really strong competitors on the bracket here. The the bricklayer is such a uh, sleeper pick. Yeah. Oh, big time. Uh, it's like one that you maybe wouldn't think of off the top of your head. But when you say it, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Like that's, you know, there are these ghosts that you kind of look at when you're when your doom buggy kind of yep. positions you to like, and that's just such a, a memorable one. So I love that selection. Uh, all right. Miss the dance out of the way. When we've got 16 ghosts we need to talk yep. about here. Uh, and we are ready to, uh, to announce them. Let's get to it. Let's go ahead and cue that dramatic music. Take us away. Got it. Finding it delightfully unlivable at the number one seed is the ghost host. Showing out for the big baller brand is the number two seed, Madame Leota. Chopping heads and taking names at the number three seed is the bride, also known as Constance Hatchaway. Harmonizing at the number four spot is the singing busts. Hanging onto his head at the number five seed is the hatbox ghost. Three thumbs up for the number six seed, it's the hitchhiking ghosts. Spinning right round, right round at the number seven seed are the ballroom dancers. Last in the attraction, but eighth on the bracket, is Little Leota. Channeling his inner Captain Nemo at the number nine seed is the organist. All right, here we go. I'm going to do it. Uh-oh. Ah, what a swing from the chandelier. <laughs> Coming in at the number 10 spot is Pickwick, the chandelier guy. I'll save everybody from my interpretation of the number 11 seed which are the opera singers. You're in the band. At number 12 is the Phantom Five. Blowing out the candles at the number 13 seed is the birthday ghost. Do less. Coming in at number 14 is the pop-up ghost. Staring at you like a three-year-old kid in line at the number 15 seed are the staring busts. Tickling the ivories and rounding out the bracket is the number 16 seed, the shadow pianist. Uh, Tess... Uh, we got 16 ghosts here. Any early favorites that you're seeing on the bracket here? 
favorites for me got to be the hitchhiking ghosts just because they're so fun when they pop up in your carriage on the way out but i also love the the birthday ghost is a little bit of a sleeper for me not a ghost i was familiar with but once i did a little research and, and got to see what she was up to i like her Awesome. All right. Well, Kyle, why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and take this first matchup? I would here? love to. It's the number one ghost host versus the number sixteen shadow pianist, and we've talked at length about the ghost host specifically this year, from yeah. character uh, Disneyland character to uh, Disney legend discussion. So I don't feel the need to really dive in super deep, but we all know him. If you've been on the attraction, it is the narrator of the attraction, Paul Freeze and his sultry voice following you around the mansion. At one point, he lets you kind of absorb the mansion, and then he joins you back in the graveyard to introduce you to the the jam, finds you at the end of it, and uh, wishes you good luck as the hitchhiking ghosts follow you home. So there's a lot to the ghost host. We've talked about the script, an existentio script. We've talked about how the ghost host was a big inspiration in, in your life and in the way in which you write and you've gotten interested in writing. Uh, I think that this is just such a strong number one seed. Up against the shadow pianist, who is the piano playing ghost in the attic next to the bride, who we will talk about later. Uh, the, The shadow pianist hasn't been there since the beginning. We get the shadow pianist uh, in the 90s, actually, when the bride moved from over by where the window is over to where she currently is now. And with that came a story to her, which we'll get into later. But the shadow pianist is actually the only ghost and the only, you know, uh, character in this mansion that is singing or playing a song that is not Grim Grinning Ghosts, which is very interesting. This is the only deviation from Grim Grinning Ghosts. And it is he is playing the, the wedding song in a minor key to sound a little bit more haunting. Uh, we don't see him. We see the shadow of him on the wall and the keys of the piano are playing themselves. So he's sitting there, but we don't see him, but we see his shadow. Uh, it's a very cool effect. It's a very creepy effect as you're going through the attic and hearing the heartbeat of the bride and her kind of beckoning you towards her. Uh, but when you're matched up against the ghost host, especially in the first round, I think you're, you've, you've got a tough battle and I'm going to go ghost host here. I, I one thing I do really appreciate about the shadow pianist is that he's kind of a different sort of ghost, and I, he's not unique in that way. Like, there's plenty of interesting spirits in the haunted mansion, and it's often sometimes like difficult to know exactly what is a ghost or what what should we consider a ghost. You know, like uh, there's a corpse that's trying to get out of a coffin at the beginning of the ride. Like, is, is that a ghost? Like, is that a zombie? Like, well, right. we don't know. There's a, a floating candelabra. Is that like an enchanted object? Uh, you've, you've got ravens that may or may not, uh, you know, have personalities and, and be uh, people trapped inside of that. Like it, the, the ride is constantly uh, challenging us in this way. And so I like that the shadow pianist is like, a unique sort of uh, spirit or apparition. He, he's just a shadow um, and he has a, a very distinct human form about him. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool. There are some, some interesting theories uh, out there in, in the haunted mansion fandom about like who the, the shadow pianist is. There's no right or wrong answer. Some people have claimed that maybe he's the hat box ghost. 
Uh, something that I've always kind of like in my head canon, like assumed is that the, the pianist and the bride constants are like a tag team of some sort. Yeah, same. I've always thought that where he's like, he's playing the song, luring the groom down the aisle so that the uh, constants can chop off his head or kill him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that theory. Super cool effect. One that I always look for uh, when, when we're going through the attic. And of course, his haunting rendition of, of the, the wedding march is the soundtrack to that portion of the attraction. So a uh, super important ghost. But like you said, up against the ghost host, very, very difficult matchup. Uh, ghost host is, is the soundtrack for the whole attraction uh at the end of the day so i've got the ghost host advancing uh tess do you agree with this one seed advancing here or did you have a crazy upset i do agree with the ghost host he's the anchor of the ride and he's gotta move on all right next matchup the number eight seed little yoda versus the number nine seed the organist and so in doing a lot of research for these ghosts these haunted mansion ghosts we found so many like little backstory articles. Uh, there's a whole Haunted Mansion wiki, uh, and, yeah. and there's information taken from every version of the Haunted Mansion attraction throughout <laughs> the world. There have been like Haunted Mansion short stories and video games and comic books. Like there Comments, is way, yeah. there is way more Haunted Mansion lore than meets the eye. I guess it's hard for me to kind of like sort it all out, and, and some of it is conflicting and uh, yep. can be kind of confusing especially when we're trying to get to the bottom of like who each of these ghosts is. But Little Yoda and the Organist are actually two ghosts that really don't have a lot uh, in terms of like a backstory. Uh, even when you go back to like the, the creation of the attraction and so many of these ghosts were created as characters uh, that served distinct purposes and, and maybe had lives of their own. But Little Yoda and the Organist, not a whole lot is known about them. Uh, so really all we have to go off is, is their presence in the attraction. So, uh, the organist obviously, uh, playing that organ in the ballroom scene, uh, the yeah. organ that formerly belonged to Captain Nemo in 20,000 leagues under the sea. Um, he's doing a, a spooky rendition of Grim Grim and ghosts as the ballroom ghosts are dancing. Uh, and there's little yeah. skeletons popping out of his, uh, out of his organ and like, I love that. That is just like such a cool addition to that room in general, which is already super chaotic, but he's kind of tucked in yeah. that that last yeah. corner of it. So to see him appear and like play every once in a while is cool, but to have him play and then these like ghosts and banshees come out of the pipes is just phenomenal. Love that. I, I think that it balances out the scene because there's so much motion with the ballroom dancing ghosts that I could easily see the organist getting lost, especially when you consider there's like the duelists up above there too. There's just so much going on on that left side of the ballroom. Uh, but, but the organist holds his own over there. A uh, super yeah. memorable ghost. Um, little Leota. There's a, there's some, uh, why is she little? Okay. <laughs> why, why, why do we have little bride? Uh, giving us a little goodnight kiss as we leave the crypt. It, it's just so bizarre. I mean, okay, so so <laughs> first of all, she's not a bride. I think on, on first glimpse, she looks like she's holding a bouquet and has a veil on. Uh, yeah. Easy mistake. She has a hood and she's holding herbs. Uh, okay. And so... Why is she little? I, I don't know. Uh, she could have got shrunk down by some sort of ghost host magic. 
Trader uh, Sam strikes again. I, maybe. Maybe. I could see that being some type of lore thing, actually, now, now that we're saying it out loud. But um, I don't know. Maybe she's off in the distance. Maybe it's a forced perspective thing because isn't like the crypt that she's by also small? Possibly. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say that that's the answer. It's, it's <laughs> okay. forced perspective and we're, we're, she's really far away. Okay. Uh, okay. So <laughs> she, she, she basically says, uh, you know, hurry back, be sure to bring your death certificate. That's like her line. Uh, and <laughs> she is referred, she is referred to as the ghostest, the go- ghost, yeah. ghostest, 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 mm-hmm. uh, which is, which makes her kind of like a compliment to the ghost host. Uh, and I really like that that ca- that small characterization, uh, where she's maybe the one giving the final send off, and like th- the way that she's really just kind of standing around outside by herself. I'm getting big like Luna Lovegood energy from her, where she's yeah. she's kind of like um, a little bit too in tune with like spirituality, where she like can't even relate to like the other spirits. She's she's yeah. kind of got one foot in each dimension. Uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, also, super, sp- super, super spooky. Uh, and a spooky mm-hmm. note to leave the attraction on as you're kind of ascending the uh, the moving escalator, if it's operating, uh, back into the <laughs> back into the human world. Um, yeah. Organist. I mean, I've always found the organist to be very, very cool. Love his aesthetic, but I I, I think Little Yoda is a very nice punctuation mark for the attraction. Uh, and one of those characters where you're like, I, I would like to learn a little bit more about her. Uh, so that's mm. why I think I have her advancing over the organist here. And we should say that little Leota is little Leota because she's played by Leota Toombs, who was Madame Leota. So her name just comes from the fact that Leota Toombs also portrayed her. I, and yeah, I, it's I, it's just still so weird. Maybe it is forced perspective and I need to go back onto that attraction and, and try and figure that out if that's what they were going for. She's off in the distance calling for us as we like go up. Uh, that is creepy and that's really interesting. But man, I love the organist. I love the thought that like he's not only providing jams, but he's providing the ghouls at the same time. You know, he's like, he's the life of that party. They're waltzing because he's playing. It's he's an integral part of that birthday party. Uh, and he has this like mystic power about him. He's he's bringing ghosts out of this organ. I, I just think it's so cool. So do you think that like the ballroom ghosts that are dancing came out of the organ? Oh, he's summoning like more and more. Yeah, I've never thought about that. But yeah. now that you say it out loud, I mm. guess that could be a possibility. Could be. Absolutely. Uh, I I just really like the organist. I nothing against Lil Leota, but she and and she is a great bookend to the attraction and a great goodbye. And she she is probably one of the more iconic ghosts. But I'm gonna go organist here. Ooh. I love him. Ooh. I love him a lot, which means Tess is gonna break her first tie. All right. Well, I didn't think as much about the organist as you did. I mean, I didn't realize. Well, no, just in the sense of like, he's there and he's cool, but I, I didn't think about him summoning all the spirits. And it is a pretty dope <laughs> effect to have everybody coming out of those pipes from his music. Uh, that said, Little Yoda is, you're right, she is iconic and iconic, if you will. And I just think <laughs> she's got to move forward. 
All right. I did my Even best. Even though she's tiny. I did my best. <laughs> Even though she's small for seemingly no reason uh, yeah. at all. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about this next matchup. It's number four, singing busts versus the number 13 birthday ghost. We're back in the ballroom. The organist is playing his jams. He's summoning ghosts who may or may not be the ballroom dancers in a little bit. And we've and it's all because we have a birthday party. When you look down at the ballroom, the long dining room table is there. And at the very end is this woman who is leaning forward to blow out her candles. Uh, when we were first were researching this, I referred to her as as a grandma. Because in my <laughs> mind, from way up there, she looks like a grandma. She, she does look like a grandma. I will and give then, you that. I thought and, she was a grandma too. And then like being the Disney fans and history fans that we are, a good chance that we've seen what that that figure looks like. And that figure looks like a grandma. It, but it's it has grandma like features. But it's also it's I think it's the hair to it's be the honest. Bun. Uh it's, it's the bun. bun. She's got it's the like, grandma bun. She's Come got on. the grand the classic grandma bun. If she had like little spectacles on then it would be full grandma. Like I, I would have to argue that this is grandma. But if anything about birthday tradition is true, oftentimes you put as many candles on a cake as the age that you are turning. And of course, in this haunted, spooky house, uh, the amount of candles on the cake that she is blowing out is going to be what? 13. 13. So is this a haunted cake or is this girl turning 13 and she's no. throwing a goddamn rager? <laughs> She's got all of the neighbors, mostly adults, waltzing for this 13-year-old birthday party. And someone passed out under the table. Oh, there's putt, and we'll get to the turnt boy on the chandelier soon <laughs> enough. This is a rager. Wait, so is Bar- Bat Mitzvah's 13, right? Oh, boy. Oh, no, we're diving in. Is it- <laughs> oh, we're diving in. Is the swinging wake of Bat Mitzvah? <laughs> My column. Yeah, that's your next uh, Substack blog post. Uh, so basically all she does is she leans up from her chair. She blows out the candles. The candles go out and she goes away. Candles turn back on. Nothing for a little bit. She sits back up, blows out the candles, goes back away. Um, and that's the birthday ghost. Happy birthday to the 13-year-old who is throwing a, an absolute rager in the uh, in the ballroom. Up against the singing busts, uh, this is where Chris mentioned that we we're, we're pulling sources. We're doing a lot of research over here. So we're pulling from all kinds of different sources. We have a, a group on this bracket that we're referring to as the Phantom Five. And that's what the, the Disney Wiki had said they were called. That's where other sources had said they were called. I was doing research on doombuggies.com, which is this historical collection of haunted mansion lore and there they refer to the singing bus as the phantom five so when we talk about the phantom five we are talking about the the band that we'll we'll chat about later on but the bus are the singing bus in our world here just want to clear that up i know i know there's gonna be somebody coming for us we understand many names for many different ghosts in here and we're doing our best so we talked about the singing bus again very recently uh We've got five of them. Rolla Rumpkin, performed by Verm Rowe. Uncle okay. Theodore. Uncle Theodore, our boy Thurl. Yep. Cousin Al, played by Chuck Schroeder. And then Ned Nub, performed by Jay Meyer. So this is basically, oh, I'm sorry. And Phineas Pock, 
performed by Bob Ebright. So this is a uh, thorough on the Mellow Men. These are these are iconic performers in the Disney canon. Uh, we don't need to talk more about each and every one of them because we did last time. Uh, but one thing that I really wanted to chat about is how cool the technology that they used to create the singing bus was for the late 1960s. Uh, what they had to do, and there's a great interview with Thorough Ravenscroft about this, but like what they had to do was bind their heads to this contraption that kept them still. And then they asked them to perform lip sync the song uh, with as much emotion as they could, but they couldn't move their heads. So, and it, and it comes through because if you think about how far you're away you are from the singing bus, you're not super far, but it also feels a lot closer when you can see every exaggerated movement. And these performers nail it. And so Thurl is like, this is a quote from him. He says, they put our necks in a vice and filmed it. And I was looking at the profile of my bust. I could even see inside my mouth, my teeth, my gums. I couldn't believe it. It was a weird thing, which it would be. I mean, imagine how many takes that it would, unless you're, you're you know, the goat like Thurl. And maybe you're doing <laughs> maybe. it all in one. Uh, but if you're just like locked up in this thing and you get one word wrong, they're like, all right, run it back. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the thing that they put your head in when you get x-rays for your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Where like they're like put your chin on this thing and like the camera goes around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been something like that. But then of course, you know, cuz it's the late 60s, it's even more extreme. They probably got them like the the claws on top of your head to really the, keep you still. There's like that. exposed wire. It's like definitely <laughs> yeah, not to like, code. We're not sure if this is going to work, but let's flip the switch and see if we stay in there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're, they're singing a fantastic harmony of grim grinning ghosts. And they're really sending you out of the ballroom or out of the graveyard into, uh, your encounter with the hitchhiking ghost. So it's a, it's a great, as many of these ghosts are a great bookend to the scene that you just encountered. I really, I, I really like them. So, uh, I love me the birthday ghost. I love to speculate who that might be, but the singing busts just have that iconicism about them that they're going to have to go past the the birthday one. Yeah, the the birthday ghost, um she has like a a couple of guests at her party. Uh there's the grandma, there's uh, the actual grandma who's <laughs> right. sitting in a rocking chair by the fireplace and then there's a guy like wearing a crown. Yeah. I think they call him like King King Ghost or something. Um, could be an actual king. Could be just a guy who like parties with the king's <laughs> crown on. Like, hey, maybe. And then there's like the guy passed out under the table. And I think there's another one too. Yeah, maybe. I could have sworn I also saw somewhere that the crown ghost was the ghost of Caesar. Oh, yeah. I think his, is his name King Caesar or something like that. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Great Caesar's ghost. Okay, there you go. And 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 the crowned ghost. Those are different oh, ghosts. Okay. Uh, there's Great Caesar's ghost. Simply Caesar. Possibly Gaius Julius Caesar. Mm. Uh, so 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 maybe so maybe we've got Julius Caesar at this table. Uh, so either way, birthday ghost got some clout. Uh, it is interesting to think about like are these people that the whoever whoever this is new in real life celebrating her birthday or are these like uh ghosts she met at the mansion uh you know just like rolling up for a little, a right. little birthday and, party and they just happen to know that 
there's a, a party going on or they they get trapped in there and they're like, you know where I'm going to reside? The party room. <laughs> That's where I'm yeah, going to be if right? I'm trapped they're in just here. They're just like stuck there. Oh, and, and wouldn't it make more sense if they celebrated the day that she died? Like a death day ghost. Oh, maybe that's what we're seeing. Could be, but she's called the birthday ghost. <laughs> Regardless, I'm with you with the singing busts. Uh, great atmospheric group of characters. They sing Grim Grim and Ghosts. Easy pick. Uh, Tess, do you agree with that selection? Absolutely. That song's a banger. It's been stuck in my head all day. <laughs> it's a banger. Sing, we need a we need sing and bus uh, grim grim and ghost trap remix. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it Yay, exists. Yeah. Listen. All right, next matchup on the left side of the bracket here. We've got the number five seed, the Hatbox Ghost versus number twelve. Uh, the Phantom Five. So, Kyle, let's just go back in time to when we were like 13 years old mm -hmm. and we had just discovered the internet <laughs> and we're looking around on like mouseplanet.com and like the OG Mice Age before it got really awful. Um, <laughs> looking at like urban legends like yep. on the internet and specifically like Disney urban legends. Naturally you stumble across the hat box ghost. Yep. Almost every time. Uh, so it, it, it's a thing. It was a thing for like many, many years, urban legend that there was a, an animatronic hat box ghost that was installed for like a number of days yep. in the original Disneyland haunted mansion. The effect didn't work. And then they took it out of the mansion never to return. Uh, there was one photo uh, with might have been Mark Davis with the Hatbox mm -hmm. Ghost. Mm -hmm. Someone was standing next to him. Uh, and then he also appears in like a portrait in the corridor of doors. Uh, and then there was like a, one random home movie like maybe got him. Right. Uh, super fun to like think about this mysterious animatronic that may or may not have existed when the attraction opened. Um Tess, is this is this something that you're familiar with? This like uh, hat box ghost uh, history and lore. Uh, like, did you hear about this uh, ever, or is this news to you? No, this is this is new information. You guys are dropping the knowledge. It was yeah. definitely like an inside Disney thing, but totally. Um, and it was fascinating because you really felt like you knew most everything about Disneyland because. Walt and everybody who made it documented it so well, or it was like on his TV show. Yeah. Uh, and so when you get to the mansion, which has like touches of him, the, the Imagineers kind of fall apart. He dies before this thing can even come out. And so you don't have the documentation that you used to. You only have the rumors, a shoddy photograph, a shoddy video, and then maybe, you know, maybe it happened. But yeah, we get like the one promo photo for the Haunted Mansion. And it was Yale, Yale Gracie, who's standing next to the Hatbox Ghost. Right. Uh, and, and that just sent people wild. And it was, it was a fun time uh, <laughs> until... <laughs> until uh, Disney said, we're bringing him back. <laughs> uh, they I don't think they ever explicitly stated that he, he actually was there. Like it was very kind of... Like you said, crazy that this wasn't like documented in any official capacity. 
but they were like, we're, we're putting the hat box ghost uh, right after the attic scene as you're, you're coming out the window and down into the graveyard. And so that is where he stands today. Uh, he is holding a hat box. His face comes off and then reappears in the hat box that he's holding. Uh, and then it goes back to his face, back and forth, back and forth. That is the effect. Um, I'm a notorious, like, uh, hat box ghost hater. Yep. Uh, just because I, I've always felt that they kind of killed that, uh, mystery. And, and that mystery was way more valuable than any hat box ghost edition that they could have ever possibly done. Right. Uh, so somewhat disappointed, uh, the effect works, but it's a little too funny and not spooky enough because it's a pretty like morbid concept. Like man's head is coming off uh, and, and it kind of turns into this like overly goofy uh, gag. I don't know. His facial expression is kind of dorky uh, <laughs> and like the, the sound effects that go on it go go on Man. with it are they're a little more magical and a yeah. little bit less you hate like that grim. whoosh you hate that, that, that whoosh it's like a sparkle it's like a <laughs> it's like what oh, is tinkerbell out here like moving this man's face around like give me give me like a ghostly whoosh or give me like a, a blood curdling scream or something i don't know um hatbox ghost is going up against the phantom five which is a band uh they are one of the first group of ghosts you see, I think they are the first group of ghosts you see when you enter the graveyard um, after you swivel away from the caretaker and his dog. Uh, they're five ghosts. Uh, they, they've, they have formed a band. You've got a trumpet guy in a nightcap. You've got a harpist who is wearing like a, some type of Napoleon type outfit. Uh, and then there's like a revolutionary war officer who's doing some xylophoning. Uh, with a couple of like human femurs, uh, an old man with a flute and like, it looks like a pilgrim with a bagpipe. Uh, so kind of a weird selection of instruments. We've yeah. got a xylophone, bagpipe, harp, trumpet, and flute. I don't know that you really hear many of those instruments in the Grim Grim and Ghosts song. Uh, they might add, a f I, I can't remember off the top of my head. They might add a few effects in the soundtrack there, but um, that's kind of, that's kind of all there is to it. Uh, I'm not really sure if there's, there's any like deep, uh, backstory into any of these ghosts individually. Um, but they are a band. Um, and I guess that is a fun kind of thing to think about, uh, when we think about ghosts rising from the dead and assembling a, a swinging wake, there's gotta be some ghosts providing the tunes, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so you've got the phantom five, uh, on instrumentals and then you've got the, uh, the singing busts uh, doing some vocals. So like on the one hand, the, the, the Phantom five is very important that they provide music, but on the other hand, I'm not sure that they're characters that really stick with me. Uh, and so I think that's why I'm going to have to give it to Hatbox ghost for this round, just because <laughs> yes, I don't love the animatronic the way that it came out, but I do love the character, the idea of the character. I think it is a good idea. And I do have to give some credit to that mystery, that parks lore that really was something that helped me kind of fall in love with Disneyland. Totally. Yeah. I I'm going to agree with you. And also because the Hatbox ghost had been in materials uh, that even happened before the haunted mansion. So it was used for promo a lot. 
was used in the the song and sound or the song and story record. Uh, he's in the storybook of that as well. So like the hatbox ghost was always supposed to exist. That effect just didn't work. And and they brought him back. I kind of wish that they brought him back and put him where he should be, which is more in like a, an ominous corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's supposed to be like where the bride currently is. But it's okay. He can introduce us uh, into that area. Interesting facts about the Phantom Five band is that the bagpipes that you hear as you pass are actually just a detuned oboe that they used to like try and make sound like a a bagpipe. And it was a combo of two different performances. It's one that is performing Grim Grinning Ghosts uh, the normal way and then one that's performing it in reverse. So you get this like really haunted, chaotic kind of bagpipe sound out of the uh, that bagpipe player. Uh, but it's huh. using oboes. Interesting. Uh, and then everything else is is the instru- instrument that is supposed to be, including the drummer who is drumming rocks on a gravestone. Uh, they're banging two rocks together. So pretty cool. Uh, I like that kind of stuff. But yeah, it has to be the Hatbox Ghost just for the part that he plays, the lore that associates with them. And when you're the Phantom Five in a graveyard full of just eye-catching ghosts, uh, you're probably not going to stand out if you're just sitting there playing some instruments. So Hatbox Ghost is going to move on. Tess, any issues with the this iconic ghost moving forward? Nope, I agree. And I'm with you, Chris, though, on the, the animatronics. There's something that's off about the Hatbox Ghost in that every other ghost in the graveyard and in the, the attraction itself has this sort of aura about it that's a little bit blurry it's a little bit grainy and then you get the hatbox ghost that is like absolutely perfect and has this really sharp uh, detail to it and it just feels so out of place like it was it would like it was added 40 years later which it probably I mean you know (laughs) so you just get that feel it doesn't feel natural in there but I agree with you I think it's a big part of the attraction and has to move on I, yeah. I think it has to do with the motion too, yeah. because like all of these graveyard ghosts, like they don't do very much. They kind of just like swivel their arms a little bit. And like, it's like, like you said, like the, it's like too good. The ghost yeah. is too good that it makes a, that kind of like it, it breaks the wall a little bit. Uh, when you think about, you know, the ghosts are, these are old animatronics. Uh, so like there, there's a creepiness to that too. Uh, it's like a Five Nights at Freddy's situation, uh, whereas whereas the Hatbox Ghost is just, uh, yeah, he's he's a little bit too advanced. Yeah, that's um, what happens when you put yeah. screens into a uh, into an old attraction, right? It's the only hey. screen effect that's in there. Hey, the singing busts are screens technically, right? Uh, more projections than they are screens, but we'll take it. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. All right, let's move on to this next matchup that is across the brackets. Number two, Madame Leota versus number 15, The Staring Busts. Uh, Madame Leota, we're back. Uh, we talked a lot about Madame Leota and the best Disneyland character bracket. We know her. We love her. Uh, she is a floating head in the seance room that is summoning the spirits performed by Imagineer Leota Toombs uh, during the holiday time, performed by her daughter, Kim Irvine. Uh, it's just such a great character because up until that point, you don't really have any anyone really speaking or your that you see is speaking uh, besides the ghost host who you just hear. And so you enter this room in which you're like, oh, so here is a spirit who's summoning other spirits. 
uh, as she floats around the room and is really commanding everything that she's around. It's really interesting that like we see her in what is kind of what feels like the smallest room. And yet she's this floating head that feels like she can move freely, but she's stuck in a seance because it almost would feel like you would be able to see her and almost like she's going to join you <laughs> on the attraction. She's the only ghost that doesn't seem to be in a predicament in which they are trapped in some sort of situation uh, because of her floating nature. But here she is. Uh, she is going to make sure that the ghosts throughout the house show up uh, because until then, no ghosts. And so she summons them for you. And off you go to see all of the ghosts that are living in the mansion. So she plays an integral part in the story, uh, let alone is just a really cool ghost and a really cool effect for the ride. And we talked all about how uh, that effect is achieved and how it was tested. And so if you want to learn more about that, go listen to our uh, best Disneyland character bracket because we dive in <laughs> real deep real into deep. that effect last time. Uh, up against the staring bus, and this is like, one of my favorite parts of the attraction because it's yeah. it's really putting you into the the vibe into this into the mood to sit on this extremely haunting attraction especially at the beginning portion where you're not too sure what's going to happen right you walk down the corridor you got the portraits that are changing uh, you are walking towards these busts who have these kind of like caved in faces that achieve the effect that it looks like it's looking at you as you walk past them and that they're even almost peering around the corner at you. Yeah. Uh, and then you hop in that doom buggy and it's just like, okay, well, uh, what's about to happen? And you're going down these hallways of, of knocking doors and floating candelabras. And it just, it just sets that eerie mood right off the bat. And it's something that you, you don't need to I, I, it's something that just draws you near towards them because they're the lit thing at the end of the hallway. Uh, and so to to have that effect in what is essentially a cue, essentially like a, a part of the line there is really cool. It's great that they started the attraction from the minute you walk into the house with the stretching room, but yeah. then continue it as you form a line to get into your doom buggy. And these two are really cool. Uh, I know that there's two... There's at least two others in the mansion. One of them, I believe, is in the ballroom and it is sitting on top of like a, a mantle someplace, right? Yep, it is. Um, and so that's cool too. Like, and, and that's one until we were researching this that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> so now here <laughs> I go the next time, if ever I get back over to the parks to look for this staring bust. And I don't think that effect is really going to come through as you're sitting so high up and away from from the chaos so i really really like the staring bus uh i think the staring bus are a a nice element but i don't think they're the better ghost uh, especially because at that moment i don't really perceive them as as a ghost i perceive them as i don't even know what i think they are they're they're like a haunted object more so than they are a ghost or like a spirit uh, Leota feels more like a ghost in a spirit and actually plays the very important role of showing us these ghosts that we've come on a tour to see. So I'm going to go with Leota. So what about, what about like the, the, uh, portraits that like change when yeah. you're walking through that hallway? Like, do you think those are ghosts? No. Or they're just like cursed objects? Cursed objects. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, I think they're all ghosts, personally. <laughs> I think a, I think a ghost embodies the object. Uh, okay. I think that's how that works. Um, have either of you ever had like a movie that you watch? Uh, you've seen it so many times, but like you always just like you have this little little hope that maybe the movie might be different this time i i I don't know for example like willy walk on the chocolate factory okay there's the moment where he's opening up the chocolate bar and it's like a slow like peel and then the golden tickets like peeking out and i don't know why when i watch the movie i'm always like maybe this time there's gonna be no golden ticket in it and the movie's just gonna end credits i don't know why but I'm always like, maybe, just maybe, I will somehow enter an alternate reality uh, and the movie will somehow be different. Is this crazy? Have, have either of you experienced this before? No, nah, it feels crazy. Nah, not really. Okay, <laughs> okay I'm crazy. Um, but to me, the steering busts are a lot like that for me, where I'll go and I'll try and I'll try and do a little bob. <laughs> I'll do a little head bob. I'll do a little deke. I'll be like, whoa. Maybe this, the the, this time. maybe this is the time that like I'll, I'll get them uh, yeah. and they won't look at me, they uh, but, but they always do. They always get me. Uh, I will say that of, of the effects, this one is probably the least good. Uh, it really kind you really have to like stare at it for it to feel like it's coming out at you mm-hmm. and not really feel like it is depressed in the wall like it actually is. Um, so, I don't know, kind of diminishes the, the quality of the effect for me. But like you said, a great way to kind of start the ride and kind of ease you into this like world of world of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Madame Leota, we've said pretty much everything we can about her on the, on the last uh, attractions character bracket. Um, Leota does not have a last name like in within... The Haunted Mansion world. She's just Leota, right? Right. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say that her last name's Ball. <laughs> Leota Ball. Leota Ball. We got Lamello. Uh-huh. We got Lonzo. Uh-huh. We got Leangelo. Uh-huh. We got LeVar. Wel- <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, Welcome to the Ball family. Leota Big baller, Ball. Leota. Big baller brand. Hey, sticker idea. Um <laughs> I'm going with the staring bus. I oh, got man. Me upset. Right. <laughs> and here's why. The Haunted Mansion, as an attraction, is built on practical effects. Uh, you've got the scrim in the graveyard to create this sort of ghostly aura. You've got the Pepper's ghost in the ballroom. Uh, you've got some forced perspective. Uh, and the singing or the uh, the staring busts and the way that they're depressed into the wall to make it look like they're following you is such a, a unique remnant of like the fun house inspiration of the haunted mansion and so i think it's a really important effect i think the staring busts are really important ghosts i find madame leota to be a little bit overrated <laughs> i don't i don't f with seances i don't have <sighs> with ouija boards or tarot yeah. cards um, so I have the upset, which means Tess, uh, you've got to break a tie here. Two versus 15. 
Chris, I hate to do this to you, but it's got to be Leota. She is no. the queen of the Haunted Mansion. And she, we. you know, she just has so much power in that room and you can feel it going through. And I kind of agree with you that I'm not sure that the staring busts are quite ghosts. So I have to go with Leota as, as the winning ghost here. Fake ghosts, yeah. staring busts. Using your own ghosts. argument against you. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next matchup is the number seven ballroom dances dancers versus number ten pickwick. Uh so pickwick. the ballroom Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Hold up. Hold up. We'll get to Pickwick. All right. Let's talk about these ballroom dancers. Okay. Sure. Uh they're they're ghosts and they dance in the ballroom. All right. So Pickwick. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Then we got Pickwick. Pickwick is our boy. Pickwick is the missing Disney term boy yes. that we have never talked about. Yes. Um, but basically in the ballroom above the birthday party table is a giant chandelier. And atop the chandelier is a ghost couple who is bobbing back and forth mm-hmm. and our boy Pickwick, <laughs> uh, who is swinging from the chandelier uh, like his name is Shorty. And the thing is, he's not just he's not just like parked on the chandelier a little bit, like oh, no. perched casually. Oh no. He's got he's got a cane and his cane is like grabbing onto the chandelier. Yep. And then he's doing like a full body extension with a wine glass, oh, like yeah. toasting to the rest of the ballroom. Yep. I mean, this guy has absolutely no fear. No. At all. No. Um, so which begs the question. Is he a ghost uh, and he is just doing this as a ghost or was he a real person who died because he got too turnt and was trying to climb on the chandelier? Well, it's funny that you say that. Oh, boy. It's funny that you say that because I was wondering the same thing. Who is this man, Pickwick? And why does Pickwick have a name? Because the rest of these are like birthday ghost, staring busts, hitchhiking ghosts, which who have names, but like ballroom dancers. Uh, right. Why does Pickwick have a name and why is it Pickwick? And and you already know that I dove in. You already know I went to find the lore of this. And um, it was a it was a treacherous journey to find <laughs> the name and why it was Pickwick. It was very traumatizing. And th- this is why. Uh, so turns out that uh, you mentioned this at the top. There's a lot of material about the Haunted Mansion. Not a lot, but there's a, a good amount. And... One of those pieces of material is like a series of comic books that was yeah. produced fairly recently. One of those comic books main subject is Pickwick and it's called Pickwick's Capers. So like Pickwick is a reference to Pickwick's Papers, the Pickwick Papers, which is uh. a Charles Dickens book about this like businessman. And he was he was kind of plump like the Pickwick that we get in the Haunted Mansion. So the the reference there is whatever we want it to make it. And that's probably all it was when the mansion was being built. But of course, these comics are going to then give us a little bit more of a lore. Mm -hmm. Um, Really unfortunate comic book company name. Uh, They are SLG Comics. Uh, SLG stands for Slave Labor Graphics. No. And they were founded... This isn't like this is some like, you know, generational company that has been like a, you know, a paper press and a printing press. And like, no, this was founded in 1986 in San Jose, California. Oof. Oof. 
So uh, Slave Labor Graphics created uh, a Gargoyles comic book series, the Mansion comic book series, and then there's one other Disney one related one that I don't remember what it was. So anyways, interesting choice in licensing property by Disney. But in this book, uh, or in this comic book, he Pickwick was a, a thief, an English thief who was huh. deathly afraid of heights. So he would do all of his robberies by tunneling. He would tunnel into the ground, hop into your house. He would then rob you and then go back into the thing. So he hears about... <laughs> underminer. It's the underminer, man. This is the underminer's story, actually. So he found the out about this mansion uh, in the States, and he knew of its lore, which in the comic books is owned by like Master Gracie and has all these different artifacts and yada, yada, yada. So he's going to go steal some. So as he tunnels underneath and pops up, he pops up into the stretching room, which has no windows and no doors, and he gets trapped and dies which then makes him afraid of being underground, of tunneling. So now he has found a new appreciation of heights and is celebrating this by hanging from the chandelier. That is basically the comic book. <laughs> that was a, no, no pun intended, but that was a stretch. Uh, yep. I, I did read about the Dickens reference and he, he does wear a top hat and like a scarf, which yep. I guess like, that aesthetic is the Charles Dickens aesthetic, right? Um, because he he has uh, owns all of the creative capital for top hats and <laughs> and scarves, I guess. Yeah. But, but I I read that Pickwick was interviewed in the Grim Gazette, which I'm, I'm guessing is another sort of haunted mansion offshoot publication, uh, and he was identified with the name Erasmus Cromwell Pickwick. Okay. Uh, I, I like this man's um, attitude, you know, like we love a good Disney turnt boy and, and this is definitely one of them. Uh, I like that there is a, a character behind him. Uh, the, the the ballroom dancers are, are very, I mean, I'll say it, they are iconic. Uh, they're super important to the ride uh, because they are, are they're, they're dancers. And so they kind of set that swinging wake uh, pace where this is this is about uh, movement uh, and this is about joy and this is a celebration. Uh, that's that's real, th- their presence is very important and it's also the Pepper's Ghost effect, uh, which is which is kind of one of the most famous uh, things that they associate with the mansion, the big plate of glass, the fact that they accidentally uh, had them going in the wrong direction where the women were leading the men when the ride first opened. Uh, th- these are just sort of like very notable. Yeah. Uh, characters in, in the mansion. So so I respect them, but I have to go with Pickwick. I mean, Pickwick's a, an actual character. Uh, and so I, I'd have to advance him on that alone uh, with, uh, I mean, it's a, it's an upset by, by numbers, but I don't, I don't feel like it is, you know? Yeah. I think that it's, it's in these were, I feel like these two were ranked the way that they were because of the presence that the ballroom dancers have within that scene yeah they're an entire third of the room yeah Uh, and they're also so eye-catching because of their movement Mm -hmm. that you're drawn to them which then draws you to the organist and that's why he plays such a great role but once you see pickwick and and i've always noticed him because it's just so funny everyone else has something that they're doing that feels like it fits the area that they're in you're dancing you're playing the organ you're blowing out the candles 
the portraits are coming alive. And then you have the chandelier, which is like, why are those? Why is that couple up on it? And then who is that third wheeling guy? Oh, that's just that's just turnt Pickwick. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you can't come onto this podcast as a turnt boy and not expect to get out of that first round. I'm going Pickwick as well. Let's go. Tess, uh, Let's we've go. got our upset here. Any issues with that? Nope, I love it. There's something about his yellow cardigan and his red scarf that just feels like like he's out there vibing and i like it yeah that's no, true the red <laughs> scarf is uh it's unique uh i don't i don't think we see those pops of color no uh, on anyone else on this attraction and you know pickwick pops pickwick, pickwick pops, pops. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this next matchup. It's number three, The Bride, and the number 14, Pop-Up Ghosts. Let's just get it out of the way. Pop-Up Ghosts are everywhere in the mansion, including in the attic. They're in the graveyard. Don't like them. They are just the little haunted mansion, haunted house scare, jump scare. They're so annoying. They're so bad. And they're bad. They're bad. They're, They're, I get what they're doing, and I get that they're adding that element of haunted house that you might see in any other aspect of the of a haunted house at any other attraction where there are jump scares like this if you go on the one in uh santa cruz beach boardwalk that's all it is (laughs) are these like jump scare (laughs) little puffs of air uh but they they just don't fit the vibe of the haunted mansion i don't know if they ever did but they definitely don't now they look like those little clown heads that you throw a baseball at at a county fair to try and knock, oh, them, knock yeah. down. Yeah. Like they have this like bright yeah. blue kind of like fuzzy hair and they pop up and they go right back down. Yeah. I don't like them. The bride is a fascinating character and I, I would go ahead and assume that we're going to talk about her next time. So I'm going to save all of that. Uh, I'm going to go with the bride. I, yeah. Uh, I do have like a, a positive association with the pop-up ghosts, uh, as far as parks memories goes, um, my sister, Elizabeth, uh, (laughs) who has been on the podcast a few times, uh, uh, was fearless child. Uh, she had, she wasn't like me where she was scared of the haunted mansion until she was 15 years old. Um, (laughs) she, she was fearless. So, uh, she loved the attraction, but she hated the the popping pop up ghosts. Like this was this was the part that she was afraid of. Uh, and you know what happens on the haunted mansion because it is an omnimover attraction. It is prone to stoppages, uh, <laughs> oh, particularly no. when folks need to need some assistance uh, in boarding or disembarking the attraction. Uh, and so, my dear sister. Of all the spots to get stuck in the haunted mansion, oh, no. uh, right in front of a tombstone where the pop-up ghost uh, was set up, and uh, she 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 had a bad time. <laughs> I, I don't know why I call that a positive association, but I guess it's just like a core memory of some kind. Yeah, it's a good family <laughs> story. That's that's sure. always positive, sure. I guess. Um, but I'm with you. I'm with you with the bride. Uh, pop-up ghosts, kind of a cheap effect. Uh, I honestly kind of like look right past it. I, like it, it happens, but I'm not like, oh, oh, oh that was funny. Like, it's yeah, just like, eh. forget about them. Anyways, the bride moves on. Tess, any love for the pop up ghosts by any chance? Not a whole lot. Hmm. I mean, I yeah. don't what I don't love is you can. All they are is the, the head and like a little bit of the shoulders. Like if you're on the <laughs> wrong side of that tombstone, you're seeing True. everything behind it. And it's like, <laughs> all right. 
at least put a full body, make it seem like it's not, <laughs> you know, I mean, we love the nostalgia of the animatronics, but those ones just weren't very good. So nope, they can go. Uh, now, now that I think about it, that the hair of of the ghost is a lot like the Geppetto uh, walk around character. <laughs> yeah, it's just wispy. So these, these could be severed Geppetto heads. <laughs> they could be. All uh, right. God. Last round of 16 matchup. Uh, we've got the number six hitchhiking ghost versus number 11 opera singers. This one's real quick. It's the hitchhiking ghosts. Uh, they're a powerhouse at number six. I feel like that's a little bit low for them. Um, they are one of the more iconic uh, attraction characters. They're on the poster. Uh, they are, if you don't count Little Yoda, the finale of, <laughs> I'll go ahead and call them the finale. You know, okay. Little, Little Yoda's a little epilogue, uh, but the Hitchhiking Ghosts are the finale of the mansion. Opera singers, I definitely think uh, worthy of being on the bracket. Uh, they are kind of an, an interesting addition to the graveyard scene. Uh, you've got the Viking lady and you've got uh, a night man, uh, K-N-I-G-H-T, uh, <laughs> night man cometh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they add that musical element kind of that the the Phantom Five does, you know, like this whole thing is like a, a musical swing and wake party. And so you need your vocalists and, and the opera singers are, are in that mix. Um, but the hitchhiking ghosts uh, love them. Uh, they are all uh, their own individual characters. Uh, they are a collective unit. Uh, so I would love to see them advance to the next round. The opera singers add a singing element to a large song ensemble. But when you isolate their tracks, they're not singing Grim Grinning Ghosts or the tune at all. They were instructed to sing like crazy like 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 they were further possessed ghosts so when you listen to their tracks they are just like hitting their doing their opera thing but they're not in tune with the song they're not doing anything which adds a little bit of chaos to an already chaotic scene and i i really like that uh, they're performed by luli jean norman who is the woman and then bill reeve who is the dude and luli jean norman is the the singer that does that warbling in the back of the lion sleeps tonight by the tokens you know sorry what like actually actually so i'm like so of course you know me if i learn that somebody was the voice of something i'm going to google them i've done that this entire time so i i google her and i find this article about how she was hired by buddy baker because he knew that she was a great opera singer and she had credits to her name which include the lion sleeps tonight by the tokens and she's the one hitting that those high notes in the background as they are uh as they're singing lion sleeps tonight. how crazy is that that's sick also she does the the kind of like high pitch warbling in the star trek theme the og one it, bro this woman is is Go incredible Go everywhere Jeez. Goaded. Uh shout out Luli. You're my new favorite favorite person. I love you're a fascinating human being. There is absolutely zero on Bill Reeve. Uh so shout out Luli. I agree with you. Uh opera singers add that that haunted chaos mess to the graveyard. Have a great history to them as far as their 
how they were formed with Luli, but uh, you cannot get past the hitchhiking ghosts just yet. I will say, I think the hitchhiking ghosts are, are ranked right where they should be. I ooh, think that's exactly ooh. where they should be. So ooh. we'll talk more about them later. Tess, we've, we've done it. We've gotten through the first eight rounds here uh, to get to this elite eight bracket that we'll talk about next time. Uh, how are you feeling? I know you didn't have a ton to do this time, but something tells me next time is uh, going to be a little contentious. Yeah, it seems like we're going to have some battles to throw down, but yeah. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I'm learning a lot about <laughs> uh, about a lot of these ghosts. Uh, the research is impeccable. So love the education, but also I'm loving the fun. Good. Hope so. And we're going to get into that fun next time when we talk about this Elite Eight, which includes the number one ghost host versus the number eight little for no reason Leota. Uh, down the brackets, number four, singing bus versus the number five hat box ghost. Number two, Madam Leota is going to take on number 10, Pickwick, across the bracket. And the number three, the bride versus number six, the hitchhiking ghosts. Uh, Tess, thank you so much for joining us here for part one, your first tour of duty here on Mouse Madness. Uh, We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to part two. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. You got something to say about these haunted mansion ghosts. If you have a bracket idea, if you want, if you want to hop in and do some ghost co-hosting, email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. Looking forward to having you back next week. So hurry back. We would like your company.